0: Hey friends, I want to tell you something. Black is beautiful. Black is love. It can be seen 365 days a year, 24-7, and Target is here for all of it. And so am I. Where my Target Mamas at. Black Beyond Measure is Target's year-round campaign that celebrates and elevates the spectrum of Black love and success from the multitude of commitments and investments in the Black community to supporting HBCU students and uplifting Black entrepreneurs like myself. Shop black-owned or founded brands at Target from home decor and candles to beauty, wellness products, and so much more. Surround yourself in joy and amplify your black love with the help of the black-owned and founded brands at Target every day. Visit Target.com slash Measure to learn more. Welcome back, friends. You're listening to Parenting for the Culture on the Black Love Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Sharice Sims, and this year's PBS Early Learning Champion. I don't usually say that, but I wanted to throw it in there today. Uh, as always, I'm going to start with the peak and pit of my day. Uh, the peak and pit are something that we do at our house at dinner time. We share these moments in our day, and it helps us get a window into one another's day, opens up conversation, keeps us connected, and all that good jazz. And since y'all are my virtual airway family, I want to stay connected to y'all. So the I'm actually going to start with the peak of my day. I usually start with the pit so I can end on a high note, but I'm going to start with the peak. Because the the pit is going to take us into what we want to talk about today. Um, So the peak of my day actually happened at 12 a.m., surprisingly, because I often talk a lot about like the importance of connecting with your children. And as most of you know, I have six children. One thing that's very important to me is that I'm spending time individually with each child where they can not have to be a sibling and they just get to kind of be themselves. So yesterday, my number 4, <laughs> nope, my number 3. My number 3 asked me, "Mommy, it's been a long time since you and I have gotten to just watch a movie together. Can we can we watch a movie together?" She actually didn't say that. OK, that sounds really cute and sweet. That's not how it happened. This is how it happened. The Buzz Lightyear movie came out today on Disney Plus, and I wanted to have a movie night with all the kids and watch it. And so I said to number three that it was coming out tomorrow, and I was excited to watch it. And she was like, oh, my God, can we watch it at midnight? And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> we cannot watch it at midnight. I cannot deal with the twins at midnight. I cannot deal with the six year old at midnight. That's not going to be fun for anybody. Then I thought about it and I said, how about you and I just watch it at midnight? Like, let me get the rest of the kids to sleep. You can go to sleep also and take a little nap and then I'll wake you up at midnight to watch it. So that's what we did. She was so excited when she woke up. I did wake her up and both of us were honestly very tired and we both kind of looked at each other and was like, you still want to do this? (laughs) And I said, how about we just put it on my computer and lay in the bed together? And so we did. We started watching it, kind of woke up for it. We ended up making popcorn to watch it and eat popcorn in the bed, which I was sure was going to wake up. My husband did not wake him at all. He was unbothered. Uh, And then we got real fancy with our popcorn. Y'all my, my daughter knows how to make candy. So she made candy and like drizzled it on top of the popcorn. It was fantastic. (laughs) So that was the peak of my day was watching the new Buzz Lightyear movie with my nine year old in the middle of the night while everybody else slept. Uh, the pit of my day. And y'all, I really hope that I'm not the only person that has this kind of pit. I really trust and believe that I'm not alone. And if I am, just lie to me and be like, I hate it when that happens. <laughs> Act like it's normal for you. So I can not feel so bad about my day today. So we're on a, on the freeway on the way back from swim classes. And LA freeways are treacherous. That's besides the point. And all of a sudden, I hear my 12-year-old say, Mom, Matilda unbuckled her seat. Matilda's the four-year-old. who still, She still has the seatbelt that goes over her chest and in between the legs. Like, this thing shouldn't even be easy to get off. You shouldn't be able to get it off. And certainly not on the damn freeway. Like, I'm on the freeway. And I mistakenly put her three rows behind me I have six children. I have a 12 passenger bus. I think y'all have heard me talk about the Sims bus. So she was in the third row. And I actually did that to myself. So I could try to drive in peace sometimes because she talks to me a lot. (laughs) And I was like, if I put her back there, then I maybe get like a 20 minute drive where I can just listen to music or a podcast. But no, I put her back there and then she unbuckles herself in the car, and her car seat's like too tight to actually rebuckle herself because she can't unbuckle the bottom buckle, just the top buckle. So she's kind of stuck. So I have to pull over on the freeway and buckle her in. And I like, y'all, when we talk about gentle parenting, I cannot tell you how hard it is to gentle anything in that moment. In that moment, I'm like, no, I think this needs to be a moment where (laughs) I take her out the car and teach her a lesson. Like, I think she needs to learn today. I promise you that is where my brain goes. But I also don't want to get arrested on the side of the freeway and I don't want to lose myself on the side of the freeway. So I buckle her back in, get in the car, drive off. So anyways, that is the pit of my day. And it leads me to want to talk about impulse control, because this is something that I get a lot of parents in my DMs asking me about impulse control, asking me how they control their child. <laughs> and uh, obviously, it's something that I deal with as well. <laughs> so let's talk about it. One, I just want to say, I don't even know if we introduced this as one. Um, I have a little bit of bad news for y'all. Impulse control happens in the part of the brain That is not fully formed until 25 years old. (laughs) I'll give you a moment to cry. We can cry together. (laughs) 25 years, like I thought they was going to be out at 18. You don't have to deal with the past 18. Let them do it. You give them the tools now. Let them continue to practice after 18, okay? Now, when I say that, I'm saying it's not fully formed until 25. That brings about a lot of questions about a lot of other things in life, but I won't go into that. So it's not fully formed until 25. Obviously, it is developing and growing as time goes by. Now, most four-year-olds should have better impulses than to unbuckle their car seat in the car. So don't let Matilda be the example for what your four-year-old should be doing and how they should be practicing um, managing and controlling their impulses. But what I will say... And it'll kind of take me into what I want to talk about in terms of impulse control is one thing that I recognize. Um, We talk a lot about basic needs, and I'm not going to go into depth with it right now. If you haven't listened to previous episodes, please go back, listen to them so that you can get a better understanding of basic needs and the importance of meeting basic needs. But for me, this is a prime example of when basic needs are not met. We have recently changed our schedule, as probably many of us have, right? We're in summer A lot of us switch out these camps from week to week. And so Matilda is on a new schedule, as are the rest of my children, where they just started going to camp in the mornings from 8 to 12. Then they go to swim from 1 to 3.30. And even within their swim times, it's like these lessons are in 20 minute blocks or half hour blocks. So two weeks they'll have swim classes at 1 o'clock and one forty. Then the next two weeks, their swim classes are at 2.40 and 3.20 and so on and so forth. So their schedule has been changing literally week by week. And it's exhausting me like I know it's exhausting them because it's exhausting me we're in the car more than we ever have been we're waking up at different times this week especially is their last week of camp so their camp has been doing field trip day after day after day literally every day this week they've been doing field trips and they've been doing it with a sister camp so when I think about that I'm like okay my child is tired (laughs) like her basic need for rest is not being met And how can I expect her to manage her impulses, which is already developmentally being built, right? So developmentally at four, she's not going to have great impulse control. Then it's Matilda, who I love to life, but Matilda by herself doesn't have great impulse control, like probably not as good as other four-year-olds. Now I have a tired Matilda, so I just can't expect her to have the impulse control that I would love to see from her. But for me as the parent, I have to empower myself as a parent and say, okay, I recognize that she is not getting her basic needs met. So we're gonna have to shift how and when we go to sleep to ensure that she's getting that. I I believe at four years old, it's something like 13 hours of sleep a day, right? It's it's a lot, yes, (laughs) it's a lot. And even like if you were surprised by that number, that alone should kind of tell you, what we should be looking for and how it is affecting their behavior and things like impulse control so if you don't know how much child how much child your sleep should be getting clearly i'm not getting enough sleep if you don't know how much sleep your child should be getting it's literally as easy as googling it right they have like what is it called pictograms and infographics that'll show you age by age how much sleep they should be getting Obviously, when they're younger, it's more sleep. As they get older, it's less sleep. Maybe for Matilda, maybe I lied. Maybe it's 10 hours, but I want her to sleep 13 hours. I don't know. Either way, I don't think that she's getting like the right amount of sleep. And that's just for a regular day. Now mix in the fact that she has camp, swimming, field trips, and even, I'm gonna try not to get sidetracked because my brain wants to go other places right now. I wanna start talking about I'm going to introduce it so I can come back to it on another episode. But even within camp, you have way more stimulation, right? Like at regular school, you're sitting in a class. It's quieter. There's certain things around you, certain sounds, smells. One teacher at camp, it's kids turning up all day long. And at camp on a field trip, it's kids turning up, yelling and screaming. So her body is overstimulated. It has less rest. And so her impulses are going to be way harder for her to manage and control because she just doesn't have the physical or mental capacity to do it. Like there is no moment in between that's a good idea and I did it. (laughs) There there are no moments in between there. So as her parent, it's my job to make sure that we can start to structure her to get those moments in between so that she can have "Even, even if I can just get her a moment between that looks fun and I did it. Like, we're making progress. So I want to talk a little bit more about how we can empower ourselves as parents. Because with our children, they're developing brain, they're developing bodies. With the fact that impulse control is something that is developing over time, while we cannot physically control them, I mean, I'm sure there are some that could argue or would argue, do argue. But if you actually think about it, like, we cannot control our child. Like, just think about basic eating, right? We can give them a plate of food. We can threaten them and tell them to eat it. We can say, if you don't eat it, I'm going to put it in your mouth. We can try to move their jaw and make them chew. We could maybe somehow try to make them swallow. They might spit that stuff up. Like we cannot force them to eat and digest the food. So we can't control our children, but we can make space for them to practice their impulses. We can start to notice What the routines are. So for me, for instance, I'm noticing that there's a difference in our structure and our routine. Am I going to correct that or not? I don't know. Me, I'm probably going to wait out these two weeks because this is what we got set up for these two weeks and I'm going to try to make the best of it and make sure she gets an earlier bath time, gets to bed a little bit earlier. We probably going to do dinner a little bit earlier. Them blackout curtains, I'm going to make sure they all the way black (laughs) so that she will go to sleep earlier. Um, But other things like If you notice your child likes to draw on walls, right? That's something that happens. I often see things on Instagram where your child made a mural on the wall. These are places where we can empower ourselves. Like we don't have to make the markers accessible to our children. And I know sometimes that maybe sounds like obvious thought or maybe even sounds like a hard thought or maybe sounds annoying that you feel like you have to readjust your households for this child. But I ask you, like, what is more annoying, moving the markers to where they don't know where they are, where they can't reach them, or having to buy the bald man's magic erase markers to try to scrub them off the walls? Like, you're doing work either way. So pick the work that you want to do and what's going to work better for your family. For me, I try to adjust my house to be kid friendly. Like, a lot of times we get pregnant and at our baby shower, we might get those little wall plug covers, right, the child safety things for the plugs, because we know in a few months the child's going to be crawling and they're going to stick their finger in that outlet. So we do that. We have to continue to do that as our child grows, recognizing what their habits are, recognizing what their interests are and their curiosities, and then like childproofing those things. So if you have a child that likes to cut their hair or has shown interest in that, I can't tell you how many children I've had in my classroom that have cut hair restyled their clothes like if you have that child don't make the scissors accessible to them I'm laughing because it sounds so obvious but I know someone listening is like duh I should have done that let me move them right now if you have a child that has impulse control and runs out the door like my dear friend Matilda (laughs) go on and buy yourself a what we call in our house a Matilda latch That's that top latch that she can't actually reach. Like rather than me spending all the time chasing her and yelling at her to not go, you know, not just open the front door because she saw a cute butterfly outside. I have to take more steps to ensure that that doesn't happen while I teach her how to control her impulses. I also side note, I want to say Matilda has ADHD. Right. So I'm not saying that to talk about her. I'm saying that because one, that's my baby. I love her to life. You're not about to judge my baby. (laughs) Because I'm telling you all these stories about her. And two, because, you know, there are differences with our children. So your four year old may not be doing all these things that she's doing. We do have the added component of the fact that she has ADHD. So with her, like I said, impulse control is even harder and it's an even bigger issue that we have to work on. So for me, while we're working on it, I do have to look at things to make sure that her basic need for safety is met, right? If I know that she opens windows, I did go to Home Depot and buy all the window latches. And y'all, if you are exhausted listening to me talk about what I have to do to keep her safe, I am exhausted. And if you want to send me a Starbucks, please do. If you want to send me Marriott, if you're listening and you want to sponsor me for a weekend mommy getaway, I am here for it. Send me to the hotel. I need a break and I openly receive it. But anyways, (laughs) as a parent, there are things you can do and more so than just rearranging your house. And when I say rearranging, I'm not talking about moving furniture. However, if that's something you got to (laughs) do, it may be easier to move the couch than to tell your child to stop climbing on the couch because they're trying to reach whatever's on top of the couch. Like it really is just things to consider. And I do think that part of this is the educator in me who has had to, constantly rearrange classrooms to meet specific needs for the age group of children that are coming through it is me as an educator having to make sure that things are locked up or up high because licensing in the state they do come through and these are the things they come through with their checklist they're like where do you have your scissors where do you keep the knives where do you keep the cleaning solutions they even measure it right they're like they they i kid you not they've come And we had cleaning solutions in the bathroom that were up on a ledge high, and they called over my tallest child in the preschool, and they said, come here. And they measured her, and they measured how far the cleaning solutions were from her. And so I share this because as obvious as it sounds, these are basic things that even social services licensing state governments think about and put in writing to ensure that child care providers are making sure it's done in this way so that your children are safe and different things I'm mentioning are literally things I've seen over time right if you have a child that likes to turn themselves into a mummy with the toilet paper <laughs> and you are tired of them wasting all the toilet paper don't don't put the toilet paper where they can reach it again I know it sounds obvious but Think about these things like what does my child keep doing that is really triggering me and where I feel like I'm constantly chasing them and telling them to sit down and telling them to put that back like put it away where you don't even have to have the conversation of put that back until you know that we have built our impulse control to where now we can have it out. Right. If they're constant like if they throw a plate, I don't know if they throw plates, like maybe I'll need to buy some plastic plates. Like, I know that might sound annoying. I gotta go buy stuff. Yes, you might have to. (laughs) Or maybe ask a friend if they have old you know, a lot of us parents that have toddlers that have that are now six years old, like we got all them plastic cups and plastic plates, and a lot of us do end up just throwing them out. So if you know someone that has a child a little bit older than you. Ask them if they have those things. So start to empower yourself by looking at what the situation is, trying to find the habits, patterns, places of stress for you as the parent. Like where do you constantly find yourself chasing after your child, yelling after your child, whatever it is, and what can you do to prevent that while building the skills to better that situation? Hey, friends, I want to tell you something. Black is beautiful. Black is love. It can be seen 365 days a year, 24-7, and Target is here for all of it. And so am I. Where my Target mama's at? Black Beyond Measure is Target's year-round campaign that celebrates and elevates the spectrum of Black love and success. From the multitude of commitments and investments in the Black community to supporting HBCU students and uplifting Black entrepreneurs, like myself. Shop Black-owned or founded brands at Target from home decor and candles to beauty, wellness products, and so much more. Surround yourself in joy and amplify your Black love with the help of the Black-owned and founded brands at Target every day. Visit Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure to learn more. The second thing in empowering us as parents is, is taking time to look at our own triggers. So... A lot of times, let's say, for instance, you're in the store, your child wants some ice cream. You say, no, we're not here for ice cream. We're here to get dinner. And they throw a fit. I know everybody has had this experience. I've seen it. I've watched it. I've had it. I've heard about it. We all have that moment and that story where we're in the store with our child and our child falls out on the ground. Usually these moments trigger us. And sometimes when they're falling out, since we're talking about impulse control, maybe they throw something off of the shelf because they're mad, or maybe they had an item in their hand because they were helping you, and now they're mad you said no and they threw it on the ground, right? In these moments, we often feel triggered. I want you to start to ask yourself, what part of this is really bothering you? Because the fact of the matter is usually whatever your child is doing is developmentally appropriate. Like we can always build skills. Maybe they should have a little better handle on it. And maybe we can start implementing certain exercises with them so that they can get better at it. But most likely you're pissed off because they're embarrassing you in the store. (laughs) You got somewhere to be and you don't have time for this. So when we look at empowering ourselves as parents, part of that is really becoming conscious of our own needs, our own desires or wants or past traumas right maybe maybe it triggers you because you as a child were not allowed to do this so how dare you my child try to do this thing that we have not been allowed to do like this is not okay we don't do this You know, you see sometimes on TV shows like the rich, fancy families, let's say their last name is Smith. I don't know why I'm picking that name, but they'll look at a child and say Smiths don't do this. Right. Like that's a generational thing. Like this is not something our generations of family do. And it is embarrassing all of the generations of families before us. I guess I could have used Sims. That's my last name. (laughs) But anyways, So try to find out what is triggering you and then like reaffirm yourself. If your child does something undesirable, whether that is falling out in the store or hitting you, right? Like they got mad at you. You told them no. So they just smacked you. One of the things that I see in common is that one of our first thoughts, no matter how conscious, the thought is I'm not a good parent and I'm failing as a parent. And so I want you to become kind of conscious and aware of that and give yourself a mantra or an affirmation that tells yourself like, this is not a sign that I'm a bad parent. This is not a sign that I am failing. This is a sign that my child is disappointed or this is a sign that my child is tired or lacking in impulse control, whatever it is. But there there is a separation between you and your child. And regardless of how amazing of a parent you are, your child is a whole human <laughs> capable of making their own, I won't say capable, um, able to make their own choices and is going to make their own choices all of the time. Hopefully that's actually another thing, right? Like we are now a generation of parents who want to teach our children how to make their own choices and how to make good choices. But along the way of learning how to make good choices, they are going to make thousands of bad choices. And that is not an indication that you are a bad parent. Like sometimes I hear parents say, um, if they don't stop that now, how are they going to do well in school? How are they going to X, Y and Z? Again, we talked about this on a previous episode. You have time, like look at actually where they are in the development, right? Children have time to learn and build these skills. And again, this timeline for impulse control is scientifically 25 years. So if you are on year four with your child or on year two with your child, like have some grace for both your child and yourself and remind yourself My child is right where they should be and I'm right where I should be and I am a good parent. Even though my child just hit me, I am a good parent. And then teach your child what the alternatives are. If your child hits you because they're so angry, it's okay to hold their arms and say, I won't let you hit me. I get that you're angry. I won't let you hit me. Here's what you can do, right? You can tell me you're angry. I tell my children that. You could tell me you're angry. If you need to hit something, We can find something to hit. I'll never forget my oldest daughter, who's 12 now. When she was little, literally you could see it was a lack of impulses. Like her body would say hit and she was probably hitting in the same exact moment that she was thinking about hitting. There was no processing and thinking about whether or not this was a good idea, a bad idea, a safe idea. It was just hitting. And so I started to tell her that exact thing. I'm like, I get that you're mad, but you may not hit me when you're mad. Do you need something else to hit? And I I wish this I wish was video. I wish y'all could see me. But this girl would get really mad. <laughs> she was like one and a half, maybe still in diapers. And she would get really mad and she would put her hand up like she was about to hit. And then she would kind of remember, I'm not supposed to hit my mom. But she had to get that hit out. And so she would just kind of like do a circle with her hand in the air looking for something that she could hit. And then she would find a couch and she would hit the couch. And I was like, and then I would praise that. I'd be like, wow, I saw how angry you were. I love the way you chose the couch as a place to hit as opposed to mommy. Can I give you a hug? (laughs) And then we can move on from there. So I kind of, you know, I share that story because it's funny, but also because hopefully it's inspirational that as we teach our children these tools, they can get there, um, but it takes time. So lastly, I want to finish with like, how do we get our children there? You know, like, okay, Sharice, Give myself grace, affirm myself. I'm not a bad parent, but my child is still hitting. Uh, My child is still unbuckling themselves in the car, (laughs) and I'm at my end. So, what do I do? Like, you can't just leave me with that. You can't just leave me with it takes 25 years and expect me to be happy. So, I'm not going to. I will tell you that there are exercises and things that you can do with your child in the meantime after child-proofing the house, after making sure their basic needs are met and rearranging schedules if you have to, after checking in with self, reaffirming self, checking in with your past traumas and triggers. After you do all that, you can build skills with your child while all of that is taken care of, right? So here are, I'm going to give you 10 things that you can do with your child. So If you're driving, you can listen to this and come back to it. If you're not, pause it, go grab a pen and paper so you can write this down. But these are things that you want to write down, hopefully, so that you can hold on to them because they are tangible tools that you can do with your children. So, number one is teach your child to label their feelings. If you recognize a lot of their impulses come from a feeling that they're having, they're mad, they throw something, they're mad, they hit they're happy, they like burst, right? It's like teaching your child to label what they're feeling. And a lot of times that happens just as I said, like, I see that you're mad right now, but you may not hit me. It starts with that. I see that you're feeling and then label the feeling. Um, The second thing you can do is when you're giving your child directions, Ask your child to repeat those directions. Now, that's something that I could have done with Matilda today, right? I didn't know she was going to unbuckle herself, so I didn't know we was going to have to do this, but now that she has unbuckled herself, tomorrow, after I move the car seat closer to me, (laughs) and when I buckle her in, I'm going to say something along the lines of, Matilda, I'm going to buckle you into your car seat, and you may not open it up until we get home and are parked do you understand? And she's going to say, yeah. And she's going to think it's funny. And she's going to give me the cutest face in the world with her cute little dimple, which does not at all mean that she got it understood or even listened to me. So what I'm going to ask her to do is repeat back to me what's going to happen. And then she's either going to say, I don't know, and I'm going to repeat it, or she's going to repeat back to me what happens. So same thing with we're trying to get out the house and we need them to get their shoes on. Sometimes they... I don't know, see a fly on the wall that distracts them from getting to their shoes. So rather than just saying, go put your shoes on and we're gonna get ready to go, tell them like, we're gonna walk out of the room and then we're gonna put our shoes on. Once we get our shoes on, we're gonna go to the car. Can you repeat to me what we're doing? And then have them repeat to you. I'm gonna walk out of my room, I'm gonna put my shoes on and then I'm gonna go to the car. This also helps because when they get sidetracked, you can reference back. You said, okay, I see you got your shoes on. What are we doing next? oh, wait a minute, where are you going? Where are we supposed to be going now? So they have that agreement with you. They have the understanding. They're going to repeat it back. It also helps them to hold on to the information and helps them to stay focused on the task at hand so that you have a little more cooperation, a little more peace, and a little less impulsivity because now they don't have room for the impulses as strong because they're focused on completing a task, whatever that task is. Number three, You want to teach your child problem-solving skills. This can be done in so many ways. Um, It could probably be in a whole episode. I'm not going to dive into it right now. I'll give you an example. An example would be something like, let's say you have um, beads at home. If you're a black mama listening, you got beads at home. So go get some of your beads (laughs) and do a math activity with your child. And do something like give them 10 beads and then tell them to make two groups of beads. And you can help them, you know, even if they're three years old, four years old, you can help them where you count out seven beads. And then you say, separate these into two piles. Now you have them count the two different piles. They might have s- s- seven, I think was a bad number because I don't know how many. Anyways, um, they'll have two piles. They'll count out one, two, three. Then they'll count out the other pile, one, two, three, four. Then you ask them, can you make seven into in a different way with two different piles. Now make a pile of five and a pile of two. Then do a pile of six and a pile of one. What this is doing is it's teaching your child that there are many different ways to solve one problem. And it's not a direct lesson, right? Like they're kids. We're not gonna sit down and lecture them and be like, oh, son, there are many different ways to solve a problem in life. You're gonna play with them. We often talk about play. So you're gonna do something like a game like that You can look up other problem-solving games that you guys can play, but play a game where you can show them that there are many different solutions to a problem. Why does this help impulse control? It helps because a lot of times impulses happen when a child is excited, stressed, and when I say excited, I don't necessarily mean positively excited. Sometimes they're excited in a way of like they're angry, right? And so, They're just acting because they are not getting their needs met, but they don't realize that there's more than one way to get their needs met or there's more than one way to solve the problem. Even with that, sometimes our child is coloring and they go outside the lines and they get so mad and their impulses are like, throw that pen, throw that paper. You messed up, throw it all away and throw a fit when you do it. So starting to teach them that there are more than one ways to solve a problem is going to help them with their impulses when they are facing a problem. Um, number four is teaching anger management skills. We've talked about this in so many different episodes. Please go back and listen. There are so many things you can do outside of the moment to teach anger management skills. Breathing is one. I'll give that example since you're here, but please go back because there's so much more than just breathing. Number five, establish household rules. So I believe in our episode actually talking about Getting, you know, on the same page in parenting, we talked about that. We talked about family values, family rules. It gives you a reference point on what to expect in behavior, what to expect in the house. And it gives you something to look back at with your child to say, this is what we do or don't do in our house. This is what upholds our values. And it gives them something to hold on to, again, that kind of stands in the way of them and their impulses, right? They have this value. They have this rule. Um, And go over those regularly. Right. And go over them out again outside of the moment. A lot of these things you want to do outside of the moment. Right. You fill up the gas in your car, not when you're on the side of the road with no gas. You fill it up so that you can get to where you need to go. So constantly fill up your child's gas tank before they're on empty. Uh, number six is providing structure and be consistent. Y'all, that's exactly what I'm talking about in this instant with Matilda <laughs> and the car seat. We have not been consistent. We have not had a structure. We have been changing schedules every two weeks. Now, that's what I chose to do. Like I said, I'm gonna carry it out. But if you are looking to help provide them with a the space to be able to control their impulses, you want to provide them with structure and consistency. Number seven, practice delayed gratification. Like, I don't even think I need to explain that. Practice it. (laughs) Have them wait for things, even in little moments. So this is another thing with conscious parenting, because I just recognize this today that I've fallen into the habit of just constantly responding to my children the moment that they call me. And all of them, for some reason, never hear the other one talking. And so there are moments where like three kids are literally talking to me at the same time. And I'm like, oh, I did this. (laughs) Like they think I'm available at every moment and I have not been teaching them or nurturing the fact that sometimes they're gonna have to wait even just to get my attention, right? That doesn't mean ignore them. It means give mommy one moment, I'm reading something or give mommy three minutes, I'm about to go to the bathroom and then I can go back and help you. So even in little things like teach them delayed gratification, They don't need to get everything now, now, now. And that's what they want. And that's that impulse. So if you want to build the impulse control muscle, delay the gratification with things. Um, Be a good role model. You know, I don't know what your impulse controls look like. I know sometimes with me, I don't have it. (laughs) I'm 38. It should have been developed at 25. I don't know if it always is, but be a good role model, right? For the most part, most of the time, when my basic needs are met, I'm able to control my impulses pretty well. Now I will admit quite honestly that when my basic needs are not met, I don't have good impulse control. And it's usually, unfortunately with my husband, like I'm gonna say something that I wish that I did not just say. And I wish that I'm like trying to grab the words as they're coming out of my mouth, but then they already left my mouth and it's too late. But usually that happens when I am exhausted and have not, and I I don't say that to excuse it. I say that to say like, With our children, the same is for us. Like, we have to take care of ourselves and our basic needs. If I'm not sleeping, I don't have capacity to manage my feelings and my frustrations the same as when I'm sleeping. But whoever on the other side is frustrating me, they're not the reason that I'm not sleeping. Like, I can still go to sleep and make sure I get enough rest. So that shouldn't fall on them. So make sure for yourself, you are meeting your basic needs so that you are a capacity to be a good role model for your child. Number nine is encourage plenty of physical activity. So I know a lot of us feel like, oh, my child is acting crazy. I'm going to have them go run outside. Make sure that's a regular thing. Like have physical activity scheduled into your day. Another thing with physical activity is that honestly, if you see that you're in a period where maybe it's just like one of those days where you're like, what's going on with you today? I'm chasing after you all day long. You keep doing everything. Take a moment if you can and go on a walk with your child, like get out, get fresh air, get sunlight, take them for a walk, but engage them in something physical um, and kind of be strategic about the physical activity. Because obviously, if they're in a moment of having issues with impulse control, you might not want to just like send them outside where there's, I don't know, balls and I don't know, you know, sometimes if they're having impulse control issues and then you take them outside, they might climb on something they're not supposed to climb on and you find yourself outside frustrated because you're like, I took her outside because Miss Cherise said that was number nine. (laughs) And now we're outside and I'm still telling them to get down off of things. So be strategic with that physical activity. Maybe you guys turn on YouTube and do Just Dance or do, there's this thing called the Floor is Lava. It's a physical interactive thing on YouTube, which is awesome. Go outside for a walk play catch with them, like do something that's engaging but allows them to get out their energy in that way. And the last one is play impulse control games. And I think we talked about this before. Some impulse control games are games like Simon Says, games like Red Light, Green Light. So find these different impulse control games that you can play with your child outside of the moment to build their skills of impulse control inside of the moments. So that's all I got for you today. I hope that helps you. I hope that helps me. I I took notes for myself because I need to re-implement some of these things clearly into my own household so that we can get a little more peace during the days (laughs) because this summer is getting to me, y'all. But anyways, your homework is to Google some, some impulse control games that you can play with your child and implement one of those games twice this week with your child and then find me on Instagram right here in the show notes and let me know how it works for you and if you have any parenting questions send those to me as well because I would love to answer them Um, but until next time y'all I will I just you know I hope you have a good night and I hope you have some chocolate and some coffee because that's what we all need and that's what I'm about to go do right now is get some chocolate and some coffee so I'll talk to y'all later peace Parenting for the Culture is executive produced by Cody and Tommy Oliver. Our senior producer is Crystal Hill. Art is by Koi Madison. Parenting for the Culture is a Black Love Podcast Network production.